a thousand generations of Jedi Knights and Guardians of Peace, Justice, Hello, and welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic. Uh, my name is Luke, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, uh, Kelsey. And today we're going to be talking a little bit, or a little bit, we're going to be talking about a lot about uh, the uh, the politics of the Force, and uh, specifically the cosmic force. But uh, before we get there... Um, I did have a uh, question I wanted to spring on Kelsey since we don't actually have um, any questions uh, for the show right now, um, which is really a fun, which is really my own fault, no, not anybody else's fault. Uh, Kelsey, who is the chosen one? The chosen one in Star Wars. I mean, I'm inclined to just say. No one, because that's just my default reaction to chosen ones. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I mean, I think canon is pretty explicit that it's Anakin. That there's not really any way around him being a outsized entity. In the Force, um, it gets muddled as the further we go, and it gets um, there's more and more chosen ones. That it, is Luke the chosen one, is Ray the chosen one, um, and for various uh, limitations of writing and universe building, I don't particularly think it really can apply to anyone but Anakin. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I so I kind of. Um, I kind of think it's, uh, it, I mean, it's obvious, Anakin is obviously one of them. Um, and like, if I had, like, if I had my like druthers and I could write the thing, I would like write it, you know, it would write something that the chosen one isn't actually just like a single person. You know, it's just that sometimes, you know, people come along and they, they write the wrongs of the universe and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a label that people place on someone after, you know, kind of after the fact, usually, instead of just like literally standing around and being like, ah, that boy over there that's the chosen one um but i think it's anakin but I, you know i i really can't ever shake the i guess contrarian uh impulse to say that it's also luke like they're to me they're both the chosen one in the sense that because the chosen one is like a retroactive prophecy that is made about a character that we've already met in the original trilogy during the prequels because of that and because of what they're because of how the ending plays out in return of the jedi it makes it very difficult for me to like see that they are not the they are not the, the both aspects of it or parts of it i guess because uh, vader you know without without luke vader vader cannot fulfill being the chosen one like without luke or i guess leia you know someone to call upon an impulse you know for family and love that he had buried deep deep down inside of him he can't uh it can't be the chosen one or he will not fulfill the chosen one prophecy but you know without vader luke would die because vader has to kill palpatine in order to save luke so you get kind of this like recurring thing there and i mean like that's kind of how i look at it and one of the reasons for that is you know there there are a couple of things where like uh obi-wan like tells maul that luke is the chosen one or at least like in very like heavily infers that that he believes that and like i mean i'm sure that is just there to like you know give give obi-wan like sue the obi-wan's conscious because you know he's like okay anakin wasn't the chosen one i fucked that up but may but this kid will be or you know or something like that and it's like you know on the one hand yeah it's probably contrary and you know just me jabbering but uh on the other hand well, I think I don't know. <laughs> I think I, it's also. Oh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. so I think it's. Um, so thinking a little more, I think Anakin is Invader isn't, and I know it's weird to parse 
that distinction. But I think what we when we're introduced the way the prequels build up or introduce and arc out Anakin, and especially the way we see his path fleshed out um, in in supplemental stuff, and especially I'm referring here to the the Clone Wars show. Anakin has the potential to be the figure. There's clearly he is a being of great import and prophecy and destiny. Um, but by the time he is Vader, what he has done instead is he has become a um, the the enforcer for a other being. He is not a uh, individual driving the destiny of the galaxy. He isn't shaping it. He's like following... I mean, he has his own initiatives, but by and large, he is pursuing and fulfilling the vision of another. And I think you lose that emphasis of how the Chosen One will shape the Force and will shape the universe through the Force when instead he is just an immensely powerful being who uh, uses it to fulfill someone else's plan so anakin could have been and anakin starts as and then what palpatine does is he successfully neuters that um he successfully binds anakin to him and so that moment right where um the the return of the jedi ending where luke where vader breaks back and then uh and that's his his whole redemption moment right is sort of reverting to when he could have been the figure who turned on Right, like the moment that Anakin um, sides with Palpatine in the um, in the fight against Mace Windu, basically erases his his chosen status, and we kind of see it subsumed into. Um, oh, I guess it's a chosen bloodline, and then like Luke and uh, possibly Leia could fulfill it later, and they do, and they do it with Anakin there. Um, but we really, mm-hmm. it's yeah. No, yeah, I, I I think that's right. And I mean, I think the, like, I can't find the story now, but, like, originally Lucas had this idea that, like, all three of them, like, uh, or not originally, but after it was developed that they were all related, he had sort of this concept that, like, Luke, Leia, and Vader were, like, kind of all the chosen one, and then, like, it could be any one of them, or, like, it, um, it, so like to me like I think it I think it just makes more sense to me for it to be like you know multiple of them like it could have been Luke this time it could have been you know it could have been um you know it could have been Leia if if things had gone differently or something like that you know it could um you know it could have been Vader or it could have been Anakin at any time like if he had you know if Vader had allowed that to resurface and uh you know um you know, I mean, like, it, it could have been Anakin at the time, like, when he fought uh, Ahsoka on uh, Mustafar, or on uh, on uh, Malachor in Rebels, because, I mean, he briefly, very, very, very briefly, is is Anakin. He, you know, you can hear the quiver in his voice when they're dueling, and, and he's about, and he, you know, and I mean, you could, like, there's like that, there's like that, that point, and it's one of those places where, like, you know, he could have, you know been like yeah okay i fucked all this up but like now i can help you know ahsoka and we could do this together and we kill the emperor blah blah and we can like fix this and write this and blah 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 but he does it because he's too far he's in too deep you know at that point and he doesn't quite he doesn't quite have the same like familial he loved ahsoka and i mean you know i think he you know but it's it's not the same as like a love for a father and son, I guess, or father and daughter is, I guess, the idea. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, chosen one, chosen twos. Cho- I don't know. Chosen. So eight. there's there's care. this great thing that came to mind, um, and it's in um, it's in the cartoon history of the universe, volume two, when they're talking about um, which. Uh, an essential, I think, a series of, of, of comic books explaining history if you ever want to dive into that. <laughs> uh, but what brings to mind is they do a part where, like, he dies to, like, incorporate, like, um, how do we, like, he does a couple parts in these books where he situates, like, uh, biblical stories and context. And, like, here's how we're talking about as a historical figure and how we put it, like, we set Jesus up against Rome and all that. And it's not trying to be doctrine on it, but it is trying to show, like, here is where, because this is a story, it's probably worth at least understanding if you're talking history with people who grew up in this tradition. Um, and there's a, the opening scene is a bunch of angels t- 
talking to every pregnant woman they see and including some pregnant animals just offering like hey your kid's the one and just a bunch of list of names it's like the shotgun approach to finding a messiah <laughs> um and so that comes to mind right where we're talking about how does the force work and do we put a chosen one narrative on backwards right because there's yeah. lots like because in a sense every force sensitive right every jedi has the potential to be a greater figure than their than the expectations are on them when they're born um mm-hmm. and it's only through the full arc right that we can see that luke really has a full arc on this that ray has an arc on this um that to some degree anakin and uh ben solo have arcs on this um but we have to parse what it is and like what the Star Wars universe records of the Skywalker saga, uh, you know, 300 years down the road when it gets to whatever the equivalent mm-hmm. of codifying these things is, um, will probably be how they actually determine that. And um, to transition it to our actual topic for the day, that will depend a lot <laughs> on the sort of why, how the force chooses to shape the world. Yeah, yeah, and the, I guess the the one the one final thing I did want to say because I finally remembered it was that, it, like, in the prequels, it's obviously referring to Anakin being the chosen one, but in the um, Campbellian monomyth sense that George was always working within in the original and prequel trilogies, Luke is the first chosen one because Luke is literally the archetypal you know, chosen one hero of myth and legend in the original trilogy, which obviously came out first. So, I mean, like when, when you're talking about that and you're talking about the hero's journey and stuff like that, you know, Luke embodies that in the original trilogy. So, you know, I mean, I I think, I think it's like one of those things. It could be a lot of people. And like, I mean, it could be one of these things that like later they retcon to be like, you know, all of these powerful Jedi who came about at these like, crazy times were actually the chosen one and it was a different thing and there were many chosen ones you know like uh how to keep it topical there are many uh quisets <laughs> so many so many at least four maybe more i can't remember at least four um yeah i think uh yeah anyway quisets <laughs> yep chosen one potato potato dune star wars same, same, same. <laughs> Betty Jesseret, thousand year long breeding program, or mm-hmm. uh, the selective will of the force and uh, midi chlorians, basically yep. the same. Exactly. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, yeah. Pretty much. It's a, it's it's a party. Uh, yeah. So, um, but but Kelsey's right. Uh, we should we should move on uh, to talking about. Um, to talking about the show, but uh, before we do that, I just wanted to say, um, normally those questions come from our patrons, and uh, the only reason I didn't use the patron one is because uh, I didn't ask for any new submissions, uh, and that's my fault, so I had to uh, come up with something uh, on the fly, uh, but if you would like to ask us those questions when I do, uh, when I actually remember and stop being a dingus, uh, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash photorpod, you change the name. So same thing, same podcast or, you know, same, same benefits, same everything you get the, uh, the existing, uh, Patreon episodes we did for thunderous applause. Um, and then the new stuff that we're going to do, like, uh, the, uh, our chronological review of the Clone Wars animated series, which, uh, yeah, we will be recording after we finish recording this. So subscribe $5 a month, get the discord, you get access to the shows, you get to hear more of us, you know. Good, good stuff. Stuff that everybody knows and loves. Um, anyway, now that I'm done, finally, with a terrible, uh, <laughs> terrible ad. Um, so last time, we started off the discussion of the politics of the Force by talking about one of its two aspects, the living Force. This is the energy field that gives the Jedi their powers that Obi-Wan describes in A New Hope. The living force is the aspect of the force that allows force users, that's a lot of uses of the word force, to break the laws of physics by moving objects with their minds, jumping vast distances, and even creating lightning from their fingertips. 
But it's also kind of the boring aspect, at least as far as politics are concerned. The living force is a universal constant in the galaxy far, far away, not unlike gravity. And just like gravity, it makes no distinction between the ethical and moral standing of the individual. If the most evil person to ever live and the most innocent child are both free-falling, gravity interacts with them in the exact same way. 9.8 meters per second, at least here on Earth. You get the idea. Living force is just an aspect of the universe that is all around them and through them simultaneously, but it uh, doesn't care if they're good or evil. The living force never stopped Palpatine from using his immense power simply because he murdered billions of people. Ah, but the cosmic force, that's the aspect of the force that acts as a god. It has its own plans for both the galaxy and for individuals within it, and it in intervenes to redeem those it believes are worthy of saving because of their acts. Regardless of their myriad problems, the Jedi are the overall good guys in Star Wars, and this is partially the case because the cosmic force seems to favor light side users, or at least those who don't use the force to actively cause injury to others. These stories are, after all, morality tales about the good ability of good to triumph over evil. Okay, so we know it favors the good guys in some way, but you know how does it manifest? And if the god is on your side, doesn't that kind of rob you of free will? Uh, you know, this is one of the questions that Knights of the Old Republic 2 sought to answer, and it was embodied by Kreia slash Darth Treya, who summed up her reasons for wanting to kill the Force as such. Quote, because I hate the Force. I hate that it seems to have a will that it would control us to achieve some measure of balance when countless lives are lost. End quote. And uh, yeah, I snuck that uh, I snuck that Kotor two reference in there, uh, just to remind you that this is still the people sister of the old republic. So, do individuals in the galaxy far, far away lack free will? And how often? And how does the cosmic force manifest its whims? Well, let's find out. Kelsey, um, what uh, what 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 god in our world uh, is 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 the most comparative to, to the force. I, so there's a host and it gets to a, um, it gets to the, the further you get from an embodied understanding of the God I'm leading. Um, I'm, I'm avoiding doing my immediate, you you think of going to the euphemisms we have like a spirit of life or that which we know by many names or the divine which um people have experienced and sought names for over time but there's a whole idea sort of this kind of um non-specific encompassing background detail which um i am uh Going to botch it, so um, correct. <laughs> I understand I'm wrong here. It's the closest I think we could find in Abrahamic is sort of an understanding drawn out of like a Holy Ghost thing of it. But even more than that, um, it's less specific. It's less wedded to a entity. It's not a a singular thing. It's sort of a um, it's an abstraction backwards to what if there was something um, invisible and connecting that binds us together. And that's not... I'm, I can't name a tradition that has that or gives that a specific God name, but it is especially um, the kind of idea that would uh, coalesce in the circles in which, like, Lucas was uh, traveling just by um, what my default assumption of dorm room conversations at uh, UCLA would have been in the um, when he attended this. But even more than that, just the idea, right? That like you, if you're trying to do, if you're doing a dorm room synthesis of divinity and you don't want to stake a claim on any past text having everything it's easy to see how you arrive at the force. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, I, it, it, it's at once like, uh, we, we never, we never really see or hear the force, like said as like a God, like how Abrahamic religions 
refer to a god as like a corporeal as like some some form of corporeal entity may you know that is in man's image you know the divine image of man or something like that the force isn't really described that way like even when it's will and the destinies that it lays out are being you know described it's never like you know uh it's like the force is this thing and it's just pushing us in this way. And it's still just like every, like, you know, it's like a, uh, like a, uh, a magic wind or something like that, that pushes people where they want to go. But it's not, it's never like, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker went to the top of the Mount and, uh, the force in, you know, as embodied in looking like a, you know, a 70 foot tall human told Luke the Ten Commandments of the <laughs> Jedi or whatever, you know, it's, it's, you don't get something and it, it, it sounds silly, but you don't get something like that. And I mean, on the one hand, I think that's very good because to be honest, like if it had this whole embodiment of God like that, I would probably roll my eyes and walk away because, you know, that's not my sort of thing, but, um, uh, you know, but it's also very hard to describe because, I mean, there's definitely a godlike aspect to this because if there, if there isn't, then all the stuff about will and balance and all that sort of stuff doesn't really mean anything. But, um, but, but it's hard to, to pin down because, you know, our conceptions of God usually are, you know, the God looks has a very certain look and a way about them. You know, even the, the ancient gods of, of the Egyptians, you know, they, they looked a certain way. They, the Egyptians, you know, drew them all the time. <laughs> so it's, a, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe like that. I just kind of call it like a godlike entity and, you know, move on from there. And we also very rarely in canon, um, apart Outside the Jedi and even among them, we very rarely get depictions of what the Force looks like as a uh, believed or lived in faith. The closest we have to people who are outside the Jedi Order and believe in the Force in a way that resembles like religion as practiced on Earth are the guardians of of the wills that we meet on Jeddah in Rogue One. And that, um, there's a lot of borrowing of monastic traditions, and monastic traditions obviously span, there's obviously the the, uh, the European Catholic tradition of it, but there's a much broader tradition, there's monastic traditions um, a- across the, the globe, and it's got a lot of adherent to sort of texts and practices and an understanding, but there still doesn't seem to be a constraining of the force into an embodied thing it becomes a it becomes the force and there's or it's just the force it's not worshiping like oh we honor the force and like there's no there's no translation there's no putting it through jedi as saints or anything it's just this is how we talk about the force and we don't um and it's brief right it's brief because that movie uh uh moves on there's a lot there's a lot that happens in rogue one and so we don't really get to do the depths of what is it like to be the the warrior or the not even the warrior but the the monks devoted to this notion in the universe anymore when it's like sort of seeing like the last uh, the tail end of it um and there's other stuff i mean i know we've talked about it um, in our extensive uh, walk through the old republic that there's there are places where the force appears as a religion and it's something that comes up on worlds before um, they join the Republic or there's other traditions of it. But there's nothing, there's very little that embodies it. Um, and the closest I think I think we get is like the Sith will sometimes embody it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, you're exactly right and that's a really good point about the like the other like the religious worship of the force because in star wars there are religions but they're mostly like uh presented as like folk religions or something that the people um largely evolved pat or moved past rather uh like moved past once they attained like space travel and got to and, and you know and they saw that the universe was this big giant thing and you know everything like that and it wasn't um it wasn't uh what am i trying to say 
uh, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, just they, they weren't the only thing around. They were, you know, confined to their planet. And so they usually, it's usually presented as like they kind of leave those like, uh, like ancestor worship or animism type things behind, or they might like pay a little tribute to it, but it's not really a thing in their lives. But there are, but, but there are people who worship the force as a religious deity. Like there's a group of them in uh, the book, uh, Master and Apprentice. Um, Kelsey mentioned like the, the, you know, the, the, the protectors of the wills and, and in uh, Rogue One, there are like, 10 other like force religious groups presented there, but they're just not mentioned in the movie. Like, you know, there are people with like these like red uh, hats that look um, like these tall red hats and robes that cover their entire bodies that look like, uh, like monks on pilgrimage or something like that, that are in there. And, and these get fleshed out more in like the comics and, you know, and uh, like visual dictionary type stuff. Um, but it, I mean, it is interesting that, People who are not force sensitive just see the force and worship it in some way, like even as viewing it as like something they can beseech to, you know, to 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 help them or, or something they call upon, you know, like a oh, force be with you or something like that is very common thing that people say, um, you know in the movies, you know, may the force be with you. And it is treated both as like a, almost a propagandist propagandistic thing, uh, in the Republic and the, in the rebellion. But they do, I mean, like these people say like, may the force be with you both as like a, you know, uh, okay, goodbye. And also like a good luck, God, God be with you as you go on your journey kind of thing. And I've always, I've always found that kind of interesting and I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgot to include that at all. Actually, <laughs> Good job. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, they just, it's, it's a thing that Lucas starts playing about in tropes and other writers build on them, and so we have all these tangent reference points. Like I think the other one that would have been good to mention, right? Like it's the the um, the the nuns, the fish nuns of um, Akta Akto, where where Luke is. Um, in uh last jedi and like that's clearly a thing it's clearly a practice you don't have that without there being some understanding of religion that brings in um oh what the, there's a term for it for that like, it's not it's like there's a term for um like sacred laity or something i forget what the exact term is Clergy. for how you not clergy, because it's different, because clergy implies, like, a process and a scholarship to it, and ah. there's a separate, different term for, like, the religious orders that has its own categorical mm. thing. We do not need to get into this. This is a Star Wars podcast, not <laughs> a, um, not us uh, remembering what we know of Catholicism podcast, yeah. but there is a term for it. There's the... the uh, the religious but non-ordained or whatever. And that is a thing. You don't get that in a world mm -hmm. if you don't have a belief system around it, even if it is a mm -hmm. simple, like, these are the rituals we do and this is how we um, perpetuate ourselves. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think the one thing, uh, but before we move on, I think the one thing that I wanted to call back to was we, we did an episode as, like, the forces of religion. And we talked about... Um, you know, Han Solo and how like in our world, you know, people believing in God, like one of the things that people often say is, you know, like you can't see God, you can't know that God exists, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, religious people will say, well, yeah, that's what faith is, you know, and, and, you know, th that's all well and good. But in the Star Wars universe, I can prove to you that they can prove to you that God exists, that some higher power exists that gives these people like, at least power, if not like, uh, you know, it gives them power far beyond what normal people can do. Um, and so it's like, you can see that. And it's the example of like Han Solo, who in a new hope is like, you know, I've never seen any of that shit. None of that's real, blah, blah, blah. And then 30 years later in the force awakens, he's like, no, it's true. All of it. And I mean, like, you know, you can think what you want about the force awakens. I have my own issues with it. But the fact that, you know, like Han is just like, he's had this full conversion. Like, yeah, I, I thought the force was fake. You know, I made my own luck, blah, blah, blah. And then, 
you know, later in life, he's like, no, I've seen it. I, I, I hung around with Luke and Leia and, you know, I've seen them do incredible things, you know? Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're already 30 minutes into this. Do you want to talk about what we were actually Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's about? go into this. Let's go into this. So we're talking about <laughs> the force as a godlike entity with a will of its own and a mischievous streak. And I think, um, I appreciate that we took the time to go in and see how are we situating this because the, and the chosen one is a good setup for this because why how what is the clearest manifestation of the force as driving something if not being an entity that chooses people? So the cosmic force is the so-called will of the force. This is where that godlike nature comes in because the force not only has a nebulous goal, whether that means balance or something else, it moves individual beings into place to help accomplish those goals. Um, Though it seems to stop at directly moving them into place and it doesn't force them to do what it wants. Like Anakin in the prequels who has is certainly pushed by the force but doesn't seem to inherently follow the path that could have been set out for him or at least was expected for him. Um, becoming one with the Force is another way to demonstrate this. It's uh, sometimes considered to be an aspect of the living Force, but there seem to be moral questions involved, and the Force does actually uh, save individuals it deems worthy. In the Clone Wars and other stories, we're told that only Jedi, or at least light side users, can preserve their consciousness after death and become one with the Force, which allows them to become Force ghosts and interact with the living world after death. Um... It's not completely clear in the canon um, because there's some uh, level of consciousness that can be preserved by Sith via other um, unnatural means. Uh, the ancient Sith Lord Momin spirit, for example, gets encased in his helmet for thousands of years, possessing any who wore it. And we see this um, in both Legends and Canons. Sidious uses uh, essence transfer to cheat death by repeatedly moving his spirit to new clone bodies that rapidly deteriorate. Um, Yay, I'm glad we brought that conceit back. Yay. It was definitely a cool thing that should have not just stayed in novels and comics in the 90s. Um, nope. You you should have left that with Tom Veitch. He is a... Uh, well, I like his writing. I don't know, he doesn't, I don't know much about him, but uh, I like the stuff he did for Star Wars. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So there's also... Um, there's also Sith holocrons, which we know um, they can preserve some level of cognizance from the Sith who created them. Um, and for example, in Legends, right, we have the holocrons of Darth Bane, Darth's Bane, Nihilus, and Adedu, and they refuse to aid Darth Krayt in healing himself because he had forsaken the rule of two, um, which is impressive that you can have, you can put your soul in a book, but not just put your soul in the book, but put your soul in the book and have it stay so mad. It yes. uh, refuses to, um, to let anyone read it except the type of guy. Yep. Yep. Just, just inventing guys to be mad at inventing versions of yourself to get <laughs> mad at after you die. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, the nihilist yeah. himself is also an aberration because he's able to preserve his spirit by putting it inside a mask and flowing robes after his physical body decayed and wasted away. Um, it's something that didn't be possible if only did they are able to preserve their consciousness as is claimed um, in the Clone Wars. Um, so there's certainly ways around it and cheating it. And I think there's... Uh, who knows when we'll get into it, but I think there's just one to note. There's something pretty fascinating that the uh, Sith preserve themselves by... Um, in objects and totems, and the Jedi, um, at least as uh, revealed in the deleted scene of um, Revenge of the Sith, and then recanonized in, um, I believe in Rebels and Clone Wars, are teaching themselves how to become Force Ghosts at the very mm-hmm. end there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's so... Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I think... So I, I think there is, like, a way to like kind of square all this to because of exactly what you said, because when Jedi or light side users become one with the force, like they enter like the ether that is disconnected from time and space. They can see all of time in that 
uh, place and it is presented as you know like a place of peace where they are one with the Jedi who came before them and you know and all the living or the dead beings of the universe and all this sort of stuff um, but you know they can appear anywhere they can appear in the vacuum of space they can appear on like a planet and sit down or walk and talk you know and all that sort of stuff whereas the Sith are kind of uh, you know they're, they're kind of constrained and you know so what, what it all probably means is that the Sith and other dark side users can find ways to preserve their consciousness in a limited sense after death. Uh, but they do not become one with the cosmic force and are thus limited in how and where they can appear and how this affects them over time. For example, force ghosts retain their memories and physical and the physical appearance they had in life and can manifest anywhere in the galaxy. Further, those who become one with the force are not bound to the temporal temporal constraints of the galaxies they can see the future and past within the cosmic force and only seem to reappear in the physical realm when they are needed though it's also heavily implied that they can't really tell people in the physical realm like about the future you know things that happen in the future because that would kind of break everything you know but whatever uh force ghosts can also interact with the world around them such as obi-wan sitting down in empire and they can use the force to a powerful degree like yoda calling forth lightning in the last jedi None of the dark side examples we cited have any of these abilities. Palpatine was only able to transfer his essence to certain bodies, and they usually had to be prepared to receive his spirit in the first place. He couldn't just appear to Kylo Ren as a force ghost and lead him that way. Likewise, the spirits of uh, Lord Momin in canon and Ajunta Paul in legends were tied to certain places and objects and couldn't leave without aid from individuals in the physical realm. Momin was tied to a helmet that could only possess those who wore it, while Ajunta Paul was bound to his own tomb on Korriban, unable to leave through the nearby door. Uh, you know, and then there's Nihilus who did preserve himself but uh you know he's also kind of supposed to be the embodiment of death and he once like ate a whole planet so like you know he's just kind of an exception we're just like yeah nihilus is really cool uh he's pretty fucking awesome an example like one of the quintessential examples of how if you're cool enough it does not matter you can break you can break the canon you can you can uh become so powerful that you literally consume a billion people it through the force in a single word and level a planet you know but he's cool as shit he's got a cool mask so who gives a fuck uh, yeah. <laughs> um so while it does appear that dark side users can preserve their consciousness in limited forms after death it is not to the full extent that light side users could and and any spirits that did preserve seem to be perpetually tormented by that fact you know so you get the idea it's it, they can but it's like through unnatural you know uh, what was it they said in uh, in episode 9 uh, secrets only the sith know or whatever Ugh. But anyway. it certainly was a length of time in the cinema. Um, <laughs> the last billion dollar movie, everyone. The last, the last movie to make a billion dollars. Good job, we did it. <laughs> well, if you count, if you count every stream, then uh, if we're if we're using <laughs> if we're using Netflix metrics, then it's who knows. Um, but anyway. <laughs> By Netflix metrics, every movie they've ever made has a billion, uh, made a billion dollars. Absolutely. It's really just truly an astounding thing that uh, when you don't share proprietary data but make decisions based off of it, you can say whatever you want. Anyway, The Force, we are here to talk about. So, the balance of The Force, not the balance sheets of Netflix. So, the balance of The Force, what does it mean? And this is something I think that um, uh, Cinematic Canon handles poorly outside of the original trilogy um and it's partly because the more you add the more you flesh out a universe the easier it is to complicate um simple concepts um it's just you're going to be retreading things you might find yourself leaving the contradictory places this is how we have um Canon has both the two contradictory definitions, or not contradictory, but overlapping definitions of the Old Republic as having lasted for a thousand generations and a thousand years, a thing we've reconciled, which if you listen to, um, if you would like to spend a lot of time figuring out how that gets reconciled, 
I cannot recommend the Photor archives enough. We get to it. Boy, do we get to it. Uh, but let's talk about the balance as we see it um, on screen, right? And I think like there's basically we see uh, the Jedi talking about balance in um, about the balance being lost in Phantom Menace, and then we get the. Um, is it, what, what is the planet? Is it the Mortis Arc in um, Mortis Arc, where it is just the super heavy hyper metaphor? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll be honest. Like of all the things in Star Wars, the one that one of the ones that confounds me the most is just like a basic question: is like what what do they mean by balance? Like, I mean it can't be like numerical balance. You know, it's like, well, there's 10,000 Jedi and two Sith. That is not balance. And even while there are 10,000 Jedi and two Sith, the Jedi are saying that the dark side is growing somehow and they can't see it or they can't, you know? And it's like, man, I don't know. Like, I, it's just always kind of like, what, like, what do they mean? But like, you know, it, you're right. Like as, as it grows, it like the cut, the canon becomes more complicated. Like as any story grows, it's canon by necessity, by definition becomes more complicated and more convoluted. And, you know, even when you develop like head cannons and things like that, like those also become more complicated. Those also become, um, you know, those also become, uh, become more muddled. And so it's like, what is like what is balance like well in the prequels it seems like they're talking about like a balance between light and darkness in the universe but that also seems like why would they why would they need a chosen one to create that balance like that those two things are like very incongruous to me and like Kelsey maybe you can maybe you can bridge that because I'm being serious I I don't like because because if it's a balance between light and darkness in the universe, okay, I get that. Like you were like the universe wants a balance, like because that is its thing. Cool. Okay. So the dark side is growing, so the Jedi should be doing things to increase the light side, like to in figuring this out instead of just waiting for someone to come. And I mean, like, obviously this is all just explained because they've lost their way. And I mean, yeah, they're the Jedi. They're, you know, corrupt and weird. But uh, yeah, I, it's I, such I a weird yeah. <laughs> way to set up because there's interesting stuff in there. And like the parts um, which like later material fleshes out more where you talk about like the Jedi are losing their ability to see it to the future. And that's fascinating. That's a sort of unbalanced where it's not that like there's a cosmic scale and there's uh, more Sith tokens being added to one side. It's that there's, it's that the Jedi are unable to uh, maintain themselves in the universe as they know how, because they're losing a superpower. They're losing, um, divine sight basically or future sight and it's a that's big and if so if it's if we think of it more that like oh they're getting wobbly their footing is off they are unable to stay on top of their own existing powers then balance resonates a lot more but you have to make the effort to read that into it because they specifically tie balance to the idea of a chosen one and unless anakin's chosen powers which we see him as a um, skilled pilot and fighter that's what he has he's very good um as being an as as a pr practitioner of the force but he doesn't have future sight until really he has dreams about how um until he starts seeing his dreams and the dreams he keeps quiet so maybe in a if the draft had been through a few more passes, right, if you get uh, a couple more editing and you flesh this out, the balance they could be looking for, if they're talking about balance in the sense that they are thrown off their game, if they are unable to, to stable, it's not about the Sith rising, though that could be part of it. The Sith could be making it harder to see the future because they change the future in outsized ways. But the real off-balance is that Anakin has visions of his mother. He has visions of um, Padme dying prematurely, and he is unable to communicate them to the Jedi. So there is future sight. He just can't talk about it because to talk about it would um, 
get him banished from the order for violating their rules. And that is, there's a compelling story in that there's a compelling way to talk about balance that, oh, it's, I mean, it is not to, not to Dune chat, but we're going to Dune chat for a quick second. It's one of the things that makes Paul uh, Atreides' vision to the future compelling is that they are, he, the Bene Gesserit had a practice of you could see what would happen. Um, and Paul could see not just what would happen, but what could also happen instead. And he is overwhelmed by the nature of seeing many futures. And if we read that into Anakin, which I have I have made uh, so many leaps here, it's only really through force power that I'm still propelling myself. Um, but if we read that into Anakin, then there's a lack of balance. He has the future sight, but he can't talk about it. And they never think to ask him hey, you're really good at these other things that use the Force. Do you also see the future? And if they do, then maybe we get a different outcome and then maybe he fills that chosen one and maybe the vision he is seeing is like, oh, maybe the Jedi could renounce their ban on attachments and maybe you could uh, do things like um, realize that, I, I don't know, leaving family members leaving people still in bondage is in, in enslaved is uh, a crime against the force there are ways to do this um it's not mm. well explained this is a lot of conjecture we have to read into mm. a thin text yeah but i mean some so one thing i did want to bring up just briefly is that and it actually just kind of bolsters the point that anakin does tell yoda in attack of the clones that he is um conflicted and he's had these terrible dreams about his mother and Yoda's like damn dude that sucks oh well like like I don't know you should probably do something about that but that's a that's a YP not an MP and like he just kind of like like Yoda just kind of like tells him to like fuck off for, for for better you know for for better uh or for lack of a better word and I mean obviously he can't tell them about Padme and everything like that because you know that that would be a whole problem but you know it, i mean i guess like in my most charitable reading of it i guess the balance that we're looking at is like like the balance that is being caused by the jedi by the the fact that they have strayed so far from their purpose and so far from the light um and also that like they have this person that they believe to be the chosen one. And, you know, Mace is a dick to him all the time. Like Yoda, Yoda isn't always a dick, but I mean, like also in Attack of the Clones, like he's like, Hey man, I'm worried my mom's going to die. And Yoda's like, damn, I don't know. Maybe Qui-Gon should have done something about that. Anyway, I'm out. <laughs> like, you know, I, I guess, I mean, I guess that's the best. That's the best Yeah. I mean, there's also that. like, hey, go ahead. There's, yeah, there's ahead, like sort ahead. of, um, yeah, there's contemporaneous stuff in um, the novels that came out around the uh, the prequels that are now all Legends canon, right? But there's the one where Mace Windu's specific thing, is, it's Shatterpoints, is that he can see the where Shatterpoint, the, yeah. He can see where the force <laughs> breaks. And so if he could see that the force is breaking but cannot see the future, it's... That would be a great skill to combine with someone who can see the future and doesn't know how to change it. But they are so yes. at odds and they are so off foot. And it's not um, – and it's easy to see, right? Like the the um, the Old Republic as we see it and especially as we see it um, in the prequels and Clone Wars is a sclerotic order. It is failing to mm. preserve and enhance life in the universe the trade federation is both a sitting member of the senate and also uh is capable of putting blockades on planets mm -hmm. in support of separatist war aims it's a messy bad system the jedi are thoroughly part of it and so if we give the force agency it could be like well this didn't work out none of this is working out yeah i don't care if they have a temple and are skilled in like using the force as a practice they aren't fulfilling their obligations with that power um yeah and so we could see balance into that we could see balance as sort of a um as a corrective to the uh the failings of an unchanging order um yeah 
Yeah. But there's more there's there's clearer ways when and far far more personal ways where we see the force reach out and say, Ah, here, this is this is correcting a, a cosmic ledger and making it right. Yeah. Yeah. So redemptions are um <laughs> they're they're like a they're like a really uh like a really big thing in Star Wars, obviously, because you know, uh, you know, the one of the most poignant movie moments in the entire series, and especially in the original trilogy, is um is when uh um you know Vader is is redeemed and 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 helps Luke and everything like that, and um you know that's just uh that's just so much to get into uh <laughs> at once um i think that uh i think that we should uh we should save it for the next episode uh just because it's so much and and uh we're getting towards an hour here um on this one so um i i think it, i i think it'll be it'll be best to do that because i don't want to try and just like <laughs> cram all this in here because redemption there's a we talked about it a little bit before but i mean there's a lot of uh just there's a lot of fucked up and problematic and weird shit about it and i mean there's also some good stuff too because it is always nice to you know see you know um see the bad guy make a you know try to make things right even (laughs) even just in the final moment of life but uh yeah uh kelsey um with all that being said, and with my very abrupt ending to this after your great segue, uh, Kelsey, uh, can you tell uh, can you tell the good the good listeners where uh, where to find you and all the work, all the the actual real world work that you do? Sure, that is helpful and useful. Well, if we want to talk about um, redemption arcs, I will segue to um, perhaps redemption arcs earned and unearned. I have a newsletter. It's Wars of Future Past. It's Atherton KD at Substack. Um, if you want to do a weird dive into a uh, perhaps into what it means to see a redemption arc that you feel is undeserved, I have a piece up there right now called Colin Powell and the Discourse of Empire. Um, I highly mm-hmm. recommend that. Mm-hmm. It gets into a lot of stuff and also family history for uh, reasons. Um, Plus, you can also read my writing on war and robots at uh, Popular Science and other fine places online. And if you would like to have this level of uh, coherence and topic bouncing in a 280 characters, you can find me on Twitter at Ather10KD. Yeah, um, and you can find me on Twitter at LucasAmazing, um, and you can find uh, my other podcast uh, called We're Not So Different, which is about uh, ostensibly about medieval history, but uh, uh, mostly just about how people have always been idiots, and uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of reassuring because uh, you know we, we've we've been through a lot of bad shit before, and uh, you know we can. Hopefully pull through some of the bad shit now, but, uh, but we'll see. You can find that uh, wherever you listen. Wherever you listen to this right now, just search for We're Not So Different. Uh, you can find it on Twitter uh, at uh, at WNSDPod. Uh, as for this show, you can find us on Twitter at FotorPod. You can email the show, uh, FotorPodcast at gmail.com, or you can subscribe to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash FotorPod. Uh, other than that, Thank you so much for listening, and uh, yeah, may the Force be with you.